Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. On today's show, I sit down in Panama City, Panama, ahead of Tuesday's World Cup qualifier with goalkeeper Tim Howard, who talks about the challenges of continuing to play at a high level at age 38. It almost comes full circle. You have to, like, you go back to being a 21-year-old again. You have to earn your stripes. You have to keep playing well, and people are writing you off. That's what Father Time does in sports. You know, people are wanting to see the back of you, and so I think you need to, you have to keep earning it, probably more so than you would in your prime. I also sit down this week with legendary defender Paolo Maldini, and we talk about the state of defending at the highest levels today. When you watch a game, does that bother you when you see that there's not as good of defending? Yeah. <laughs> really bothers me. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, especially in the top level, because I'm not talking about, you know, a second division team. I'm talking about Champions League and uh, national teams. All that and my thoughts on soccer coming up. Take one. Here we go with my three thoughts on soccer. First up, there's no other way to say it. U.S. coach Bruce Arena has brought a breath of fresh air to the U.S. men's national team, which destroyed Honduras 6-0 in Friday's World Cup qualifier. The blowout should do wonders for the U.S.'s confidence, but you still have to remember that the goal for this week was to get at least four points, and that requires at least a tie on the road in Panama Tuesday. Away qualifiers aren't the same as they are at home, so I'm expecting a slightly more conservative approach on Tuesday from the U.S., who I still think will take chances at the right moments. You get just as many points from a 1-0 win as a 6-0 victory, and U.S. fans will know just how excited to be about Arena's changes after Tuesday night. Take two. Next up, we heard a lot in recent years about how Brazilian soccer was dead. Truth be told, there was some evidence for that, from the 7-1 loss to Germany in World Cup 2014 to thoroughly weak performances in the 2015 and 16 Copa America tournaments. But now Brazil is cruising in World Cup qualifying with seven straight wins under new coach Chicha. What has Chicha done? People I talk to in Brazil say he has brought top-level organization, tactics, and man management back to the national team. And as a result, his players believe in him, and perhaps more important, believe in themselves again. Brazil is more than Neymar, and the way things are going, the Seleção is going to be one of the favorites to win at Russia 2018. World soccer is more fun when Brazil is, well, Brazil. Take three. Finally, who is not doing a great job in World Cup qualifying? That would be the Netherlands. After failing to qualify for the 2014 Euro 2016, and think about that for a second, the Dutch are now in serious danger of missing out on World Cup 2018 after losing 2-0 to Bulgaria over the weekend. Danny Blind was fired as manager, and now the Dutch are facing an uphill climb to qualify with France, Sweden, and Bulgaria ahead of them in their qualifying group. Yes, it's true that this generation of Dutch players is less talented than its predecessors, but maybe we should give Louis van Gaal a little more credit for that third-place finish in the last World Cup. My first interview this week took place on Monday in Panama City, Panama, with Tim Howard, who is as insightful as ever about what's happening with the U.S. national team and with his own career. Our guest today has made more U.S. appearances than any goalkeeper on the men's side in U.S. history. 
Tim Howard has played in two World Cups and is hoping for a third at Russia 2018. Thanks for joining me, Tim. Thank you. Uh, great to have you here. Uh, lots going on, obviously, ahead of this game on Tuesday night. You're coming off a 6 nothing win uh, on Friday against Honduras. Um, fill me in a little bit just on, on where the team is right now and what you're thinking about uh, this rebound, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you know, qualifying in the Hex is crazy. You know, I think we always talk about it. Um, it's hard not to ride the roller coaster, you know, because – you know, there's so so much time in between sets of games. So uh, the last last two games we played were were terrible, and then it was a long layoff, um, and there was a lot to talk about. Clearly, um, but we feel good about the result against Honduras. I think it was emphatic. It was a response we needed. You know, it was certainly the points we needed, and then obviously it, it gives us at least allows us you know three or four days to feel good about ourselves in preparation for Panama, which clearly is going to look. Uh, like a much different game. It'll be much tougher, uh, especially away from home. Yeah. I mean, while it must be cool to win 6 nothing, it's not like you get five points in the standings for that. So I know the goal, at least the most guys, including Bruce, were saying coming in was to get four points at yeah. least. Yeah. Um, is there any sense inside the team of reminding yourselves that for this week to have been a, a good week that you do need to get a result here? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Again, I think the, the six goals, as I talked about after the game, helped with goal differential. You know, we were really behind it in regards to that. Obviously, points are are the, the biggest priority, but to, to be able to kind of get back uh, on the plus side of things helped. So that, that part was good. You know, I... Ideally, you know, we would need to take a point tomorrow. You know, three would be perfect. Um, we want to we not only deem the trip a success, but um, it's, a lo- it's a long process, and we need those points. Every team needs those points. And so um, between now and May or June or whenever the heck that is, the next, the next round of quali- the next set of qualification games, it's a long time. So you want to be sitting there feeling good about, uh, you know, good about ourselves, good about our performances, most importantly, we want to get the points in the back. Now, your readiness for these qualifiers was kind of in question mm. for quite a while. Could you sort of take me through the process of recovery from the injury to get mm. to the point where you were in a position to play? Well, it really wasn't in question, to be honest. I think I think um, most, most people on the outside, whoever that was, anyone who had an opinion, I think – Thought it was in question, but for me it wasn't. Um, you know, I was obviously I came back to preseason at about ten weeks, mm-hmm. which we know MLS preseason is, is six weeks. So that put me right at uh, the sixteen-week mark, which my surgeon had always said all along was going to be the case, barring any setbacks. So you know, I've talked about it recently. That that was kind of always on my mind is just getting stronger, getting sharper you know I think the sharper side of it was the hard part you know because preseason was a little bit um a little bit broken you know I couldn't really go full throttle in preseason because I was still still rehabbing but I was also preparing and then um I would have liked to be ready for the home opener against New England but it was just you know I, I thought it was smarter to to not play and get myself an extra week and and that obviously then came the New York game. So I felt, you know, I felt ready. I felt sharp. I was ticking all the boxes in training and then to get the two 90 minutes under my belt before this um, kind of made me feel good about where I stood. 
mentioned in the introduction, Russia 2018, the possibility of playing in another World Cup. Mm -hmm. Is that something that specifically drives you? Of course, uh, it drives every player here. You know, it's some. Uh, I, went, I was at the World Cup in 2006, 2010, 2014. You know, um, yeah, you know, helping this team qualify for for Russia 2018, and then being named to a squad. I mean, it's you know, playing for your national team. There's nothing else like it, you know, in uh, whether in, in sports, certainly not in soccer, you know. And it, it's, of course, it, it motivates me every day. Obviously, it's a long way off, you know. Tomorrow motivates me. Um, but in the back of my mind, of course, you know, I, I, I want to be a part of a group that goes to a World Cup. I, I know what it's like. I know how special it is playing or not playing. It's it's, it's an incredible experience, and, and that's something that, you know, is certainly on my radar off in the distance. Your 2014 World Cup was a pretty incredible experience, I would think. And mm -hmm. it was a little odd because it's not like you were new on the soccer scene, mm -hmm. and yet... It's kind of like what Alexi Lalas talks about, I think, with his 94 experience with the power of a World Cup. That if you do something big mm. in a World Cup, suddenly, in the U.S. at least, you're, the people who know who you are mm. is even bigger than it was before. Yeah. Now that you've had some time that's passed between mm. 2014 and now and what you lived through with that, how do you sort of view what that was like for you? Yeah, and I, I certainly would agree with Alexi in the way that works. You know, I think the our country gets galvanized when when there's a World Cup. You know, traditionally non-soccer fans even get behind the team, and it's exciting, and they, you know, they sense the passion of the worldwide audience, and it's great. I mean, it's, you know, I look forward to the day years from now when I can be a fan too, because I've seen what some of the some of the scenes are like in the parks and the bars. It's it's, it's incredible. Um, you know, for me, well, yeah, look, I. I forged a career in Europe and played in a, in, in a fishbowl uh, in Liverpool and in Manchester. And, you know, for me, for people to take notice at that time, it, it, it just became second nature to me. You know, it wasn't anything, it wasn't anything new. But again, they, I think the non-soccer fan in America took notice of myself, took notice of the team. And I think it was a good thing. It was, it was a good thing for, you know, for me and us as a team to be kind of a part of that movement. You know, I really, I mean, look, soccer was, soccer was on the, on the up and up in this country anyway, but I certainly think that was, um, that was a key moment for us. Has your life in the U.S. changed on a sort of like a day-to-day -day basis, at least in terms of how you're recognized by the mm -hmm. masses? I, mean, I think more people recognize me now, of course, you know. Um, I think it's also the day and age in which we live, you know. Social media is all over and um, you know, our faces are plastered everywhere, and um, I've got this mangly beard, and so people people kind of <laughs> recognize that. And so, um, on a day to day, I think more people are um, you know, more people recognize uh, me. But it's it, nothing. Nothing in my life personally has changed. No. Right. Right. Um, I would not have probably predicted when you were at Everton that you would end up in Denver. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have um, mm -hmm. had a great season last year, obviously. Um, what has that been like as far as, you know, maybe transformative and coming back to the mm -hmm. U.S. And, and living there? Um, it's been great, you know. Uh, I wouldn't have predicted it either. I, I think just because of, you know, what, the blueprint of how um, the league works and, and, and acquiring players, I, I don't think there is this uh, – it's, it's hard to imagine these things happening two years in advance or, or – Making those calls, it it, it came, it got brought to my attention, put on my plate, and it was something that uh, excited me. The time was right for me to leave, um, 
Everton and uh, Europe. I mean, feel like it's never the time was never right to leave Everton. I love the place, and I thought I would finish my career there. Um, but that's not how it's not how things work in football. And um, it, my time was amazing, so it, it, it just it came to an end. And um, you know, for me, the the uh, the transition has been amazing. You know, I love the city of Denver. Uh, you know, I, w- I wouldn't have thought I would end up there, but I'm really glad I did. You know. Um, and it's a challenge. It's a challenge that I've, you know, that I kind of thought would um, be rewarding, but it's been it's been great for me. Nice. Um, you were doing a lot of media stuff over mm-hmm. in England with NBC, calling yeah. Premier League games. Um, you know, you're not doing as much of that mm-hmm. now, no. and obviously, there's it's a different country. It's sure. a much bigger country. I think yeah. it'd be pretty hard for you to call MLS games. Yes. Um, but you did enough of it that is it something that you do want to do again? at some point yeah look i i was lucky i was lucky that uh that uh, nbc invested the time uh and the energy and the money in me you know i it was incredible to kind of get that schooling you know in in broadcasting i learned so much i was around great people um i really did i i liked it it's hard it's hard to imagine doing it here as you said in america with the distance and all that so that kind of went out the window but it, it certainly excites me enough to want to um, you know, do that in the future. At what level, I don't know. Mm. You know, but it was—it's certainly uh, certainly something I enjoyed. I feel like I learned a lot. You know, um, it's hard—it's hard to—it's uh, hard to you know keep getting better and better at it because it, it, you have to put in a lot of effort and a lot of work. But certainly, you know, certainly something that I, I saw myself making some strides. And so, yeah, in the future, I, I would imagine that would be part of um, what I do. I don't know if it'll be solely what I do. Okay. Um. Now that you're in your 30s, um, I'm wondering, and I don't know if this is in part connected to the media stuff or Mm -hmm. also just having been in the game for Mm -hmm. as long as you've been, in what ways do you see the game differently? Do you think it differently? Mm. Um, Yeah, look, I think it's a great question. For me, I think the the part that changed for me now that I've gotten uh, older is that I'm just not really... uh, I'm not worried about, I'm not fearful of what the game offers anymore, if that makes sense. So when I was younger, um, you go into a game and you're like, I don't know what's going to get thrown at me here. I've seen it all, good and bad. I've seen it all. And so I know when I step across the line now to play, nothing's going to happen to me on that day that I haven't seen already. You know, probably won't be surprised by anything every now and again, of course. But so so it allows me to kind of enter the game more relaxed Mm. uh, and and, and much more focused. on each individual play, instead of worrying about, well, this could happen. Don't worry about what's happening in the 89th minute. I, you know, I'm worried about each each individual play, and then eventually the whistle blows and the game is over. And so, kind of being able to stay in the moment a lot longer uh, is helpful for me. Um, you were on the field the other night. Uh, lots of good performances yeah. by U.S. players. Uh, to see Clint Clint Dempsey come back and get a hat trick was pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, it was also Christian Pulisic's kind of breakout game in a U.S. uniform. Mm-hmm. We've seen him do stuff for Dortmund and Champions mm-hmm. League and in the Bundesliga that's very promising, obviously. Um, in my opinion, I think we're a little hesitant in soccer in the U.S. because of the Freddie Adu experience mm-hmm. to say this kid could really be a star. Sure. But part of me also, having covered basketball in the past, I mean, I covered LeBron James when he was that age at yeah. the same time. Yeah. 
and there was maybe less hesitancy. It was like, well, this kid's going to be a star, and he was. Sure. How should we be approaching, in your opinion, covering Christian Pulisic? Uh, yeah, certainly, I, I agree with I agree with what you're saying there. You know, I don't really think we've had a you know, a world dominant star. You know, and that's not to say that he he is or he isn't. It's I think we should. I think he's certainly ready. His feet are firmly on the ground. You know, he's a humble kid. Um, he clearly enjoys his football. He enjoys the bright lights. You know, I've always said at that age I, I didn't. I was nervous and fearful, and I didn't have the I didn't have the skills or the talent to play on on that stage that early. You know, but um, you know, it's, it's something of a prodigy when it comes to Christian because he's just. He, he harnesses that energy and he embraces it and he seems to flourish. I and mean, I think that's the key point. You know, mm-hmm. everyone can just get thrown in there and see what happens. But he flourishes in these moments, not only for us, but for Dortmund. And he's playing the Champions League. And so uh, it's exciting. It's exciting for us. We've had a lot of good young talent over the years. Some have um, sustained that. You know, Landon Donovan is a classic case of someone who was very young, who had a mm-hmm. lot thrown at him, and um, not only passed with flying colors, but arguably the best U.S. soccer player in history. Um, and then there are others who have, who have fallen by the wayside, so, um, and there's too many to name, you know. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be fearful of that. He seems like he can handle it. He seems like he's ready for it. You know, by no means is he, uh, you know, glory-hungry or, 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 or media-hungry, yeah. but he certainly doesn't phase him. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering, in your opinion, what sort of environment is important to have on a team when the veterans like you, like Clint Dempsey, like other guys, mm-hmm. and really young guys like Polisic are able to work well together. Mm. Is there something that Bruce and his staff does? Is mm-hmm. it something else? What what causes that to happen, sort of that chemistry? Well I, I think it has I think it has to do with uh, leadership and by by example, um, you know, with the senior players. Look, I, I think there's always going to be this balance of good and evil. You know, senior players at one point were the stars, and then new kids come on the block, and it, so dynamics change. And I think the great thing about this particular team, when you look at um, the veteran players, the senior leaders, um, m- most everyone is very selfless. You know, but. Um, you can't just say you're selfless. You've got to you've got to go out there and, and work every day, and you've got to lead from the front. and um, And then the younger guys naturally will, will ride your coattails. They want to. And younger guys normally don't really want to lead. They need good examples in front of them, and then they'll just kind of get in their lane and they'll go. You know. And, and as well as that, I think the older the older players, um, you know, the, their egos have to be suppressed. Right. You know. Um, you've got to let these young guys shine. You know. When someone talks about me or Bees or Clint or Michael or Josie or Jermaine. It's like old hat. I mean, people get tired of talking about you. And so eventually, naturally, they want to say who's next. And so you have to be willing to embrace that and, and, and be excited for these young players, you know, like Kellen Acosta and Christian and all these players who have incredible futures. You know, you have to let them, you have to give them room to grow. And you can't really try and stunt that because your ego gets in the way. That's an interesting take on it. I mean, it's... It's, is it also something where you have to reinvent yourself a little bit? Or are you basically the same in your approach that you've always been? A little bit of both, you know. I, I think for, you know, I, I can only speak for myself, but, I, 
know, I think it gets harder for for me. That you know, that, look, there's a time I'm a goalkeeper, so my 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 average goes up in age a little bit. But there's a time, there's probably a six year period where no matter what I do, good or bad, I'm going to play. You know, um, it's not to say it's easy. I'm I'm saying that you you probably get more the benefit of the doubt. Mm. Whereas now I think you almost it almost comes full circle. And you have to like you go back to being a 21 year old again. You have to earn your stripes. You have to keep you have to keep playing well. And people people are writing you off. That's what father time does in sports. You know, people are wanting to see the to see the back of you. And so I think you need to you have you have to keep earning it probably more so than you would in your prime. You know, um, but. Yeah, I think the I think that's what you see with our senior players. That dynamic is that that selflessness. That that guys who are willing to come in, who have had names, who have had or had good careers, or having good careers, and are willing to say, "Look, I'll, I'll, I'll I want to be a part of this team. Mm-hmm. I don't need it. I want it. You know, and and um, and I'll do whatever it takes." Yeah. Um, wrapping up here, really appreciate mm-hmm. you taking the time. Um, now that I'm in my early forties. <laughs> I'm having to do things like yoga and, and stuff to to kind of stave off sure. lower back stuff from yeah. running and whatever. Some switch got flipped when I turned 41. Mm-hmm. Um, you're younger than me, but not that much not, younger. Not that much. Like, what are you doing? Anything in particular to just help your body be able mm-hmm. to do what you do? Uh, absolutely, yeah. You know, and, and look, I I don't say well was me because you know I'm 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 a kid who started at whatever 18 and I'm telling you, I didn't stretch I don't stretch a day in my life you know so the fact that I got to about 20 years into my career before I had to really um do any type of stretching or anything like that you know I, I can appreciate it yeah I, I do look I have a I have a you know an acupuncturist that I see twice a week um you know I have a woman who does who does soft tissue uh, on me once a week that's that's three days you know there in Denver we have a, a float center and everyone who doesn't know what floating is is pretty cool so a float you know so you're talking match day two days off you know that doesn't that at least four days and the other four days I'm, I'm doing something um, you know all with uh, with the eye of trying to recover from the last match day and get ready for the next one and so it's become it's become very very full-time whereas for so long it wasn't i could just snap my fingers and jump on the field so yeah i think you get older and 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 look that speaks to longevity i don't think you can have it without it. i think you have to try and you can't just do the same old things to get the same results you know you have to always keep it moving tim howard thanks for speaking to the podcast thank you my second interview this week is with one of the game's greats paolo maldini not only is Maldini an easygoing guy who speaks great English, but he's also extremely honest about the state of defending today and what's wrong with his beloved AC Milan. I think you'll enjoy this interview as much as I did. Our guest today is one of the greatest defenders of all time. Paolo Maldini played all 25 seasons of his pro career with one club, AC Milan. He won seven Italian League titles and five European Cups with Milan. He played 126 times for Italy, 74 times as captain, and took part in four World Cups. He's here in New York for the announcement of games for this year's International Champions Cup, presented by Heineken, for which he's an official ambassador along with Sir Alex Ferguson. Paolo, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. This is an honor. So uh, it's great to have you here uh, we're here in New York right now. Um, I know you spent part of the year in Miami, part of the year in Italy. How much time do you spend in Miami? How much time do you spend in Italy? Tell you the truth, I live in Milan, and uh, I go sometimes in Miami. 
uh, I started working with the, uh, the team F- uh, FC Miami, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I don't have any role right now. So I go there only for vacation. I have some business here in New York, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I'm based uh, in Milan. Okay. And you have spent a fair amount of time in the United States mm-hmm. in recent years. What have you seen with the growth of the sport of football in recent years here? Well, when I was a player, uh, we had a Super Cup, Italian Super Cup final here. It was more than, it was almost 15 years ago mm-hmm. at Giant Stadium, and the stadium was full. We had a lot of uh, friendly games, and the stadium was full. So I saw, I saw the passion of the people here is huge. They're not used to have, you know, that big teams. But now with this tournament, you know, they can have the chance to see all the greatest players in the world. And, uh, and uh, it's a bi- big opportunity for them. Now, when you come to New York, you said you do some business stuff here. Mm-hmm. What do you like to do here? Well, uh, my business, you know, uh, is a real estate business, but, you know, it has nothing to do with, uh, with the football. Mm-hmm. And, and then I enjoy, you know, I enjoy. You basically, now that after 25 years of, uh, of career, I enjoy life. Uh, I'm a, basically, I'm a father of two boys, and uh, I come here every 45 days, uh, and I'm trying to enjoy life. How much do you get recognized in New York City? Um... More than you used to? Mm, yeah, they still recognize me, and uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's kind of, you know, I'm surprised sometimes because, you know, now I have short hair. I don't <laughs> have long hair anymore. It's been <laughs> almost eight years uh, since I stopped playing. So, so, uh, so it's still, I mean, uh, still a good sensation, you know, to have people rec- uh, to see me and recognize me. Okay, nice. Um, I want to ask about a few things, including Milan, including this ICC tournament that you're representing. I wanted to ask for now about defenders in today's football world. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear people say that there are not as many truly great defenders in world football today, especially center backs. Do you agree with that or disagree with that? I agree. I agree because now the game has changed. Central defenders, they 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 start uh, the play. Uh, they used to um, now now they play more the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything starts from uh, the goalkeeper, and uh, and uh, let's say 20 years ago, there were only defenders, and uh, only few of them, you know, they were uh, confident with the ball. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, everything is changing, but also they're losing, you know, uh, the habits, you know, to mark on corners or, you know, one uh, one against one. Mm-hmm. So the art of the art of uh, defending, you know, is 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 losing some characteristic characteristics in the 80s. When you watch a game, does that bother you when you see that there's not as good of defending yeah <laughs> really bothers me yeah <laughs> you scream at the television yeah i say no it can be it can be yeah especially the top level because i'm not talking about you know uh second division team i'm talking yeah. about champions league and uh, and uh, national teams you know but you know that's that's you know uh, it's it the game has changed a lot so yeah. but i I still think that you know having a a great defense, you know, makes in long term, you know, uh, a better team and a mm-hmm. winning team too. 
is it possible to turn back the clock, do you think, to getting more truly great defenders who of defend? Of course. We have some, uh, depends on of, uh, of, uh, how you train, depend who is your coach. Let's say, let's say Conte is very great. Emma is great. He's great defending and he's great in everything. And uh, Allegri also is very good. Let's say Italian tradition, you know, with these two great uh, coaches, you know, is still uh, on the top of, uh, of the game. Who are maybe two or three of your favorite defenders in world football today? Um, let's say Sergio Ramos is very good. Okay. But sometimes, you know, he forgets about, you know, <laughs> defending. <laughs> but uh, uh, a, an, he's a great player. He has mm -hmm. skill. He can score. So he's maybe, maybe the best central defender in the world. Then uh, I like also uh, Thiago Silva. Mm -hmm. uh, he's playing for PSG. So you don't see the French league, you know, too often. And I, I, I live in Italy. We don't see, you know, their... There are uh, league games very mm. often, but uh, I remember him when he was in Milan. He was a very, very good defender. Mm -hmm. And uh, other than these two, I don't know. <laughs> 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 that probably answers the question in some ways. Um, Milan has a very special goalkeeper right yeah. now. Uh, he's just 18 years old, Gianluigi Donnarumma. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of him... As a former AC Milan, great, and what he could become. Um, he's talented, he's gifted, and uh, we know since he was uh, 12, 13, really? because he was playing for the youth teamers in Milan, and he has something that you you see immediately. If you know about football, you see it. And uh, after Buffon, and I saw. Buffon had make, made his uh, debut in Serie A against MC Milan. Mm -hmm. We tied 0-0, and he <laughs> it was incredible. He was only 16 years old. Wow. And uh, I can see the same in, uh, in Donnarumma. Really? And he's even bigger. He's fast, so, and he's a nice guy. You know, that's, you know, that's very important because now they're throwing <laughs> numbers around him, like millions and millions and millions, and you have to be... Uh, you have to be a good guy, you know, to stay yeah. calm and, and think only, you know, at what you have to do on the field. Mm -hmm. What is this something that you see that you have to have played at a, at a certain level to, to, you know what I'm saying? To, like, what are the specific things that you're talking about? It's hard because um, uh, when, I see, when I see games, you know, uh, Let's say 90% of the people that they watching games with me, matches with me, they don't see it. So, so sometimes I think you have to, I mean, you have to um, um, be a professional player to understand. And, uh, and sometimes even if you are a professional, professional player, you don't understand. So mm -hmm. it's very hard to explain. But... Okay. Uh, there are some players that uh, you, you it takes one minute to yeah. see they 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 gifted. Okay, interesting. Um, we're talking about Milan. Uh, how, in your opinion, does Milan get back to being Milan? 
that's how, it's very hard because it's been five years now let's say yeah without winning any any trophy three years already without qualifying for uh, any UEFA competition and also uh Mr. Berlusconi is trying to sell the team, but uh, I don't know. There's a there's a little bit of a mess, you know, be behind you know this deal. So we still don't know who's gonna buy AC Milan, how much money they want to invest. So they're gonna need a lot of money to mm. come back at the same level like uh, ten years before. You seem to me and to a lot of Milan fans like someone who could help <laughs> potentially. Uh, their situation, whether it's as uh, an administrator running the team, whether it's as a manager, I don't know. Is that something you have any interest in? Uh, you know, AC Milan is, is in my heart. My father was the captain of AC Milan. I was born in Milan. My two boys, you know, they play for AC Milan. And, uh, and uh, it's obvious that, that I love AC Milan. So if I will have, you know, one day the chance to give back some of the, the great uh, memories that, uh, that uh, our moments that, that, that I spent with AC Milan, I'm, I'm more than happy, but uh, it's not easy. They see me as a problem sometimes because... <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Why? Because, you know, um, I, don't need, I don't need to work for them, right. but I would love to work for AC Milan, but uh, so that kind of... Uh, uh, independent position sometimes is very hard to deal with. So, uh. so it, it's uh, it's complicated. So, okay. but uh, we'll see, we'll see. I had so much from uh, my career that mm -hmm. uh, I cannot ask anymore. And uh, any, I mean, anything else. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so you do have interest in coaching potentially, or would it only be in the right situation? Co you mean coaching? Like coaching, managing? No, coaching, no. No, no. I don't like coaching, no, no. Okay. No, 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 no. no. Why? And managing, because I don't like it. My father was a, was a coach, and and uh, he was traveling all the, uh, <laughs> the world. He's been right. in Paraguay, he's been all over Italy, uh, and uh, it means, you know, start again, you know, traveling and uh, moving your family. So I just want to enjoy life because, you know, it's been a long career, mm -hmm. and... Uh, and uh, I don't like it. Okay. I mean, you played on some of the greatest teams of all time at Milan. Are there any players from those teams that you're still close to? Yeah, most of them, you know, they live in Milan. So we, we play sometimes with, um, with the Milan legend team. And we, have, uh, we had uh, great games, you know, in, uh, in Indonesia, in Iran, in, huh. uh, yeah, in China, in England, in Scotland. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Very hard because, you know, everybody is fat. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> is out of shape. But You don't look out of shape, by the way, just so yeah, our listeners but, you know, understand here. Just, you know, <laughs> I barely can walk, but, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, of course, you know, I'm in contact with them. Yeah, I see sometimes. I, I go sometimes to the stadium, too. So, okay. So, yeah. You are serving as an ambassador for the International Champions Cup coming up this summer. Um, and I wanted to ask you about a couple games in particular, just your mm -hmm. thoughts. I know you spend a lot of time in Miami. There is a, a Spanish Classico coming mm -hmm. to Miami on July 29th, Barcelona, Real Madrid. 
What do you think it'll be like in, in Miami for that game? Uh, I'm excited because, you know, it's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no friendly game between Barcelona and, <laughs> and Real Madrid. So forget about it. It's a, it's a summer tournament. It's a big tournament, but uh, this is going to be a real game. Yeah. So, so the stadium for sure will be packed. And I can't wait to be there. I mean, and uh, it's great. Uh, uh, we we had, I had the experience in the first year of the of the tournament, and uh, and uh, especially in Miami, uh, the people respond very very good. So so I'm very curious, and uh, yeah. I can't wait. People in Miami like stars. I've noticed so that there should be a lot of stars <laughs> that night. Uh, a couple other games. One Juventus Barcelona yeah. in New York, July twenty second. Milan not involved in the U.S. for this yeah. tournament, but obviously you know Italian soccer very well. Uh, is that something that the Juventus supporters will, will look forward to to get a crack at Barcelona? Of course, because don't forget that uh, during the summertime you, you only do the preseason and um, after one month of vacation, people is dying to see their team play. Right. <laughs> so, so I know for sure because you know I was in, I was in Italy and they try you know, to... To see all the games of this tournament, you know, when Juventus or Milan plays, so mm-hmm. so it's it's an important game. Um, when I when I started playing for a Milan uh, thirty years ago, we used to, we we used to start playing against, let's say, fifth division team, then fourth division team, right. then second division team. It was Eased you know into it. <laughs> very easy, yeah, yeah, very easy approach to to the real game. Now, now you start with big games like this yeah. and. Uh, uh, and it's great. Nice. Uh, and then the all-Italian affair, Juventus-Roma, July 30th in Gillette Stadium uh, outside of Boston. Uh, you think Juve and Roma will take that game pretty seriously? Of course. <laughs> can be, you know. <laughs> Listen, uh, if you're a player, you don't want to lose against anyone. So yeah. especially against an Italian team in, 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 in a different country than yours, you know, you, you want to... The mental you, you you build your mentality in during the the preseason friendly game, and then you have it you know in the real game. Yeah. So, so if you if you can do it, you start you know being a winning team. Yeah. But uh, uh, I think you know every single game of this tournament would be a real game. Nice. Um, I want to ask you about a quiz that I do that I was telling you about earlier. I, I call it the rapid fire quiz, and I do it with only legendary players. But before we get started, I wanted to tell you about one of the questions I've asked to other players, mm-hmm. including Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Kaká, and Brazilian Ronaldo. And one of the questions I ask them and others is, what is who is the toughest defender you ever faced? I want to read what their responses were, if you'll allow me for a second. Ibrahimovic told me, Maldini is the one that was, he had everything. He was complete, he was strong, intelligent, aggressive, everything a defender should have. Kaká, Paolo Maldini. For me, he's the best one as a player and a professional and a person. Ronaldo, Paolo Maldini. He was tough, tough every time we played against each other, and I played against him many times. He's a very good friend. Those are some pretty respectful things coming from some of the greatest players of all time. And my question to you is, what are the keys to earning this kind of respect? 
They're all good friends. <laughs> no, but but uh, I don't know. I try to um, to play clean, yeah. to go for the ball, not for the legs, and um, I like to play the ball. I mm. not I, I wasn't you know uh, like a defender that wanna only to defend. Yeah? I like to 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 have sk skills and ability with the ball. So yeah. uh, once you play like this, your opponent respects you. And then when you give respect, you receive respect. Yeah. So, and again, you have to be strong and, and you have to be aggressive because n no big defender is, is not aggressive. So, but the mix between, I mean, not the, the, the difference between being aggressive and being dirty it's yeah. it's minimum so so you don't have to cross the line okay sometimes you cross it but you know when you go back you know <laughs> immediately it's good i think you only had three red cards in your whole career correct uh one two yeah, it could be could <laughs> i be. mean that's pretty impressive considering one was a uh, yeah, friendly game against a friend of mine yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah <laughs> crazy yeah uh, so i actually if you are okay with this want to ask you a few questions for the rapid fire quiz about your career. Okay. Um, what did you achieve in football that you are the most proud of and why? Uh, I don't know. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a football player. Mm -hmm. So I, I achieved my dream. That's, that, that's the most important thing. And, uh, and also as a man, I've been respected you know, from everyone. So. Mm -hmm. So, I can see now, especially that 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 I I'm playing more. That I stopped my career seven years ago. Mm -hmm. That people still respect me a lot. So, as a man, that's you know, yeah. that's my goal. Okay. Who was the player you most admired in your career, and why? Well, my teammate uh, Franco Baresi was a, a real captain. Mm -hmm. It was uh, it was an example for everyone, and uh, not a big talker. Mm -hmm. He never talked, <laughs> but uh, but on the field during the training, he was uh, number one. Okay. Who is the best player you ever played against, and why? Um, I have to say Maradona. Okay. Um, why? Because it was Maradona, <laughs> <laughs> and also on the field, he was a very nice guy. Very nice guy. Really? Yeah, very nice. Very okay. respectful. Very respectful. And after him, uh, maybe uh, Ronaldo, the Brazilian, was the, okay. the best one. You know, the two years he played for Inter before yeah. his injury, he was very, very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, then this might having a connection to this question. Best striker you ever played against? Yeah, it's the and same. Yeah, usually you not know, playing as a defender, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Also, I play against oh, Zidane, Platini. So, yeah. They were pretty good. Yeah, they were good. <laughs> too. Yeah. Uh, you didn't score a lot of goals in your career, yeah. but do you have a favorite goal that you scored? My first one, maybe. Yeah, we what do you remember? We played in Como, uh, in Serie A team, in Serie A league, 
and uh, we won one nil. I scored the goal. I don't know how I was there because <laughs> I was playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, I still remember Mr. Berlusconi. You know, gave me as a present uh, a beautiful watch, and uh, at the end I was able to score. You know, since then. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, my first goal. You know, was good. I'm gonna throw a tough one at you here. Best manager you ever had, and why? I've been lucky with managers because I started, and um, my manager was um, uh, Mr. Lidon, that he really loved me. He really loved young players, and uh, I made my debut when I was only 16. Mm-hmm. Then also after him, um, I had Saki, and that uh, that I've I've learned a lot from him. Then after him, I had Capello. So, you know, it was a mix of uh, great, you know, right. coaches. And then I also have my friend uh, Ancelotti. And mm-hmm. I spent the rest of, I mean, uh, th- the end of my career was, was great because, you know, he's, uh, he's a great man. Mm-hmm. He's a great friend. So oh. we had a lot of fun together. Nice. Um, and I, have, I also had my father as a coach. So You so did? I, yeah. So I had my father in the under-21 team mm-hmm. during the, the World Cup in, in France in 1998 right. and also in Simulan for, uh, for a month. So it was a weird experience because, you know, having your father as a coach is pretty weird. And I was the captain. Right. And, uh, but, but, uh, but it was great. Nice. Um, best teammate you ever had and why? Well, teammate... Uh, as I said before, Baresi for sure. Okay. Then also had uh, I don't know Van Basten. Yeah, Van Basten was a, was the most complete player uh, really? I've ever played with. Okay. Also had Kaká, Shevchenko, uh, Gullit. I don't even remember how many teammates. I realize I had. these are tough questions. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. To answer when you've had the experiences you've had, what is the best advice you ever received from anyone? I received many advices, and um, and uh, my father used to give me a lot of advices, yeah. and uh, Baresi also because I was very young. Mm-hmm. I was only sixteen. I was a baby, <laughs> so uh, I was playing with men, yeah. and uh, um, I don't know. But uh, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm very I'm skeptical. But then you know, you go home, you think about what you heard, and you. And you, and you see that uh, what they say, people with experience, is good. So, okay. yeah. Nice. Um, who is your favorite player in the world today? And Messi. Why? Messi for sure. Why? Because he's unique. Yeah. You know, he does things with balls that no one else can do. Okay. And uh, and uh, I don't know. I loved. I love seeing him playing. And uh, and. Uh, also, Ronaldo is a great player, but uh, Messi has something special. Okay. Paolo Maldini, thank you for speaking to me. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Paolo Maldini and Tim Howard, as well as everyone at Digital Media and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, there are other great new and archived episodes you can check out including my recent interviews with Jimmy Conrad, Don Garber, Brian Strauss, Marc-Andre Tristegen, Ivan Rakitic, and Kyle Martino. Please, if you like the pod, tell your friends, subscribe, and review it on iTunes. It really does help the cause if you do. See you next time.
Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.